The following audio is from The Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. I don't know how you follow that, so you're stuck with me now, but uh, that's all right. Hey, I want to give a shout out to our kids one more time. I'll give them a hand for doing that. I also want to say thank you to... uh, I want to say thank you to all those kids workers trying to wrangle in uh, kids like this is probably similar to herding cats. So um, anyway, they did a great job. I tell you what, you know, in a world that can feel so insane and, and kind of frustrating and there's so much divisiveness, um, it's moments like this where you feel like, you know, things are so right when you see kids singing from their hearts. And some of you are, are figuring out like which kid you were up here back when you were little and, you know. <laughs> Did you know the words? Were you in a costume? Did you move back and forth? What did you do? But uh, I love uh, moments like that. It was really, really great. Um, if you got a Bible with you, we're going to take a few moments and take a look at Luke chapter 2. If you got a smartphone with a Bible app, you can turn off the Seahawks game and turn on. Um, so, Oh, was that? I'm sorry. Did I say that? So anyway, um, but uh, you can uh, take a look at Luke chapter 2 in your, in your Bible app. A few years ago, I heard a story of God showing up in a piece of toast. Um, Seriously, I I really did. Uh, It was somebody who their toast popped up and they took a look at it and they saw the face of Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever heard of that before, um, but I have. I actually did some reading on it when I heard that. And it turns out that it's happened multiple times in all kinds of contexts. Jesus showing up on a potato chip in the shape of his face or whatever. Um, Jesus showing up as a Cheeto, and it was a Cheeto, looked like it was bowing and praying, which is odd. And then I saw somebody who saw Jesus in a piece of pita that was toasted, and they sold it for $2,000. So I tried to make that happen to my toast and uh, haven't had that. No, um, seriously, you know, you can even buy nowadays... Um, a toaster that will toast your bread with Jesus on it. Here's a picture of it right here on the screen, if we can snag that. There you go. And so, anyways, um, if you're looking for any last-minute gift ideas for me, that is not one of them. So, but uh, if you need a toaster, there you go. That'll make your day, apparently, every day. And while I've never seen Jesus in my toast, um, and I love toast, um, I've seen him show up in all kinds of ways. And I was thinking about this, how a great conversation with a mentor or, or taking some time to read scripture or, or even a worship song and singing um, from my heart to the Lord. Countless moments in this room, this very room over the years. I've said before, 22 and a half years ago, my wife and I were married right about here um, a long, long time ago. And w- when you think about ways that you and I encounter Jesus, for many of us, we can think of moments in this room, maybe even today as a certain song was sung or you heard a certain lyric, and and we expect that. Or when we do carve out time, which I hope we do, and encourage you to make it a daily habit, carving out time to read scripture for yourself and be a studier of it, my hope would be that you encounter Christ when you do that. There are certain things that jump off the page, or there's something through the work of the Spirit to resonate with scripture there that, that moves you. Ways that we encounter, you know, God in, in, you know, our daily lives. But I'm always amazed when you and I, when I'm particularly reading the Christmas story, how I find myself stunned at how God shows up in ways that I would never expect. And I'll just take, again, there's plenty to read in the Christmas story. But in Luke chapter 2, and it was read during the kids' program here a little bit ago, starting at verse 1, and these are words that many of us have heard many times, but, but think about these for a moment. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree 
that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them in the inn or no guest room available for them. Father, I pray that even just these verses, let alone the other portions of the Christmas story that maybe we remember, would enlighten us to something that we could easily forget. And I pray for our hearts to be open. I pray for your spirit to work. I pray that we leave here considering, God, how you might be working in ways we wouldn't expect in Jesus' name. Amen. Like I said, I'm surprised as I read through Matthew's account the Gospel of Matthew and Luke's account in the Gospel of Luke, I'm surprised how God does certain things that I would never expect. If I were, of course, I'm not God. Clearly, you're like, no, that's not the case. Um, When I look at the Christmas story and how I would have put it together, it doesn't go anything like this. But when you look at what goes on here, it's as simple as this. When you open with the first five words, in those days, Caesar Augustus. The reason it talks about Caesar Augustus is because the nation of Israel was its own nation, but it was under occupation by Rome. And so it's amazing how God used Roman occupation, amazing how God used an individual we call Caesar Augustus to issue a decree for a census. Why is that important? Because going back to the Old Testament before the life of Jesus, you had individuals that had these visions or prophetic words to be said about the coming Messiah. And one of those ideas is that he would come from Nazareth. One of those ideas that he'd be born in Bethlehem. One of those ideas that he was of the lineage of David. Another of those ideas is that it would be born a virgin. Another portion of the story talks about Mary being visited by an angel And the angel talking about, which I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, you'll be with child. And Mary's like, I haven't done anything to justify having a baby here. And there's a whole explanation from this angel. Then Joseph, in a dream, is also visited by an angel. These are all portions of the Christmas story, not the way I would write them. As you continue to look at the whole of the story, it says that there were shepherds that were visited by a whole host of angels. And they marvel at the heavens opening and angels singing. And as the story continues on, wise men who were studying some sort of you know, astronomy and stars and noticing there was a unique star and this pull to go and follow this star that lighted on Bethlehem and they go there and similar to what you saw in a simple Christmas production, they bow down and offer gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, prophetic gifts for the prepare, preparation of Jesus' burial 33 years before he would die over and over throughout the Christmas story, even getting to the point where Mary and Joseph are having to travel for a census and because everybody at that point had to travel to their town of origin to register, there was no room available at the Airbnb. Now it doesn't say that, but anyway. So where was Jesus born? Again, it just becomes old news, a manger. A feed trough in a cave with a pen along probably the front of it for animals. Why was that such a big deal? Because this is the Messiah. 
If you and I, me personally, I'll just give my story. If I were to write the story of the Messiah, man, I'd have the heavens breaking open. I would have a giant throne. I would have fire coming out. I would have trumpets blaring and angels singing and everybody in the world, you know, this is the Messiah. And yet that's not how God does it. And I want you to consider how as you look at the whole of the Christmas story, how God does things in ways that nobody would expect. Because here's what happens. You and I begin to, in our lives, especially as we continue in our faith, if you're a brand new believer in Christ, if you've given your life to Christ recently, maybe this doesn't resonate with you yet. But there's a point where, and I want you to hear this, there's a point where in all of our lives, we kind of accidentally put God in a box. That God can work this way, that God should do these things, that here's what I expect, and because I know and I've been down the road and I see what's happened to other people and happened to me, this is how God works. And yet, one of the great warnings of Scripture, especially when you read about the life of Jesus from Matthew and Mark and Luke and John writing about his life, it was the people that should have known the Messiah that didn't recognize him at all. Those that had, had put their expectations in a certain way that the Messiah would show up. The idea of where the Messiah would be from, misunderstanding this whole picture of, of a virgin birth. Misunderstanding the real story of, of Jesus coming to this world and even to the point where when Herod becomes so jealous of a king that he has every boy under two murdered. It's not part of the Christmas story we appreciate very much. But again, word had gone out. There was a king. Because they couldn't identify who it was, Herod goes nuts. These elements of the Christmas story that, that are so easy to sort of misunderstand, these elements of the Christmas story that we would never write this way. Unexpected ways that God works. Why? Because God's ways, and you need to hear this, God's ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts are far higher than our thoughts. And God is orchestrating many things that, that line up with your life along with the lives of people all around you. So it doesn't always happen. God doesn't always work in ways that you expect. And by the way, that's a really good thing. Because if God only did what you expect him to do, what kind of God is that? Again, elements of the Christmas story. God in unexpected places, working in ways that we won't or we wouldn't anticipate. Years ago, and, and I'm pretty sure it was with our firstborn, it tends to be your first experience with kids, with your firstborn, you remember maybe more than others, but I think it was either M or, or Jack. I was sitting on my couch, and of course I had kind of like had my knees up, and one of them was just in my lap, just a baby. And there's something about having your kids and you look at them and marvel and go, wow, this is like my kid. And that, that love sometimes just overwhelms you. And I remember sitting on the couch and, and like I said, just one of my babies in my lap like that and, and looking into their face and, and just bursting, just, man, this is incredible. And literally my very next thought was, wow, God, and you love me more than this? And that was a profound moment for me. So profound, I forgot which kid it was. But anyway, <laughs> and I was thinking about, why don't I remember which kid that was? Um, I remember another time, and this was specifically with M, the first child that we had that I taught to ride a bike. And I remember being, being kind of by Jennings Park. We used to live over there, and, and 
out on the street trying to teach Em to ride a bike and over and over, you know, you, you get them on the seat and they got the helmet on and, and the pedals. And the pedals are always the biggest deal, at least for my kids. It was always like, no, no, you got to keep pedaling. Otherwise, there's no more momentum. So you're trying to teach a kid how to ride a bike. And she would put her feet on the pedal and say, now you got you to push the pedals because that's what helps you go. I'll push you, but you got to keep doing that while you steer. Otherwise, you fall. And over and over, she kind of wasn't getting it. And she kept falling. And, and, and as a dad, I'm trying to help her. So I run up and you know, push her and she gets going and, and she kind of gets ahead of me a little ways. I try to let go and she falls over. And that happens over and over and over, right? And, and what am I thinking in my mind? As a dad, I'm watching her. You, you dumb kid, you're not pedaling. You, you, you got to pedal. You, you, I can't believe you're this stupid. How dare you? right? No, no, you, you laugh because you're like, if you were thinking that, you're a horrible person. That is not what I was thinking. What was I thinking? Okay, come on, you got this, and I run up to you. Come on, you're okay. Dust her off, and if she's hurt a little bit, give her a hug, pause a minute, you know, hold her for a second, let the crying go away, and what do we do? Come on, you can do this. Get back on. You got this. Okay, grab the seat. Put your, okay, don't forget the pedals. Okay, I'm going to push you, but you got to keep pedaling, and the steering thing, and little by little, over just a period of a couple of hours there, they're, they're learning how to ride a bike and you let go and you watch them pedal and you're like, yes, you got it. I'm so proud of you. Once again, in that moment going, that's a reflection of God's heart towards us. Listen to me, this world beats us up. This world, you know, we, we walk this journey and there are times where we blow it. Let's just be honest here. And it's not an excuse to blow it and do whatever we want to do. But when we do, God isn't going, you dummy, would you just pedal? No, God's heart is, come on, you got this, let's go. Because of what Christ has done, get back up, let's keep going. I'm not done with you. Unexpected ways that God shows up, and, and there are story after story in this room. How many of you would say, throughout your journey in Christ, you've been surprised at how God has shown up? 10 of us? But over and over, when you really get into this journey, it's incredible to watch how God shows up. But the beauty of it is, it's not always in ways that you would expect. It's not always in moments that you would expect. And I love that about our Savior. Like I said before, unfortunately, in Jesus' day, it was the religious leaders who had studied the scriptures from the Old Testament, who knew what it said who were anticipating at some point the Messiah coming, but when he showed up, they didn't understand it because they had their way it needed to happen. And when it didn't happen the way they expected, not only did they not understand it, they became antagonistic against it. Let me just tell you, that's a great warning for us. That there are ways that God is working and there's a worship song that we've sung the last few years, and I love the lyric. It says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. And I love those lyrics because it's a confession. I'm not God. I can pray. I wanna believe for certain breakthroughs, and I pray for you guys all the time, and breakthroughs to happen in all kinds of lives and situations all the time. That's what we do together. But at the same time, Lord, however you want to do this, it's up to you because you're God, I'm not. How could it be that in your life and my life that we could miss God? How many of us, if we really thought about it, would admit there are probably times where I've missed what God was doing? 
probably all of us at all kinds of points. And we're not always going to see it. I love how in Corinthians 13, it talks about love and all this stuff, but it talks about how you know, we won't see the, the, the fulfillment or the fullness of everything until eternity. We're not going to fully understand until eternity. But is it possible? And this is what I want you to consider. Is it possible that over the next 13 days, Christmas is less than two weeks away. You're welcome. But is it possible over the next 13 days that God can do some things that if you're open to it, you might recognize it more than if you just kept going on and going, here's how I expect. Here's where he should work. Here's what he should do. Like I said, it's, we gather, I hope God shows up on Sunday and I pray for that. I hope God does something in every heart when we sing or when we watch the kids sing or as Hunter's leading us or Joy or whoever's leading in worship. I hope God, I hope that when that guy yells at us for 30 minutes, I get something out of it. Right? I hope when I carve out that time to drink my coffee and read the Bible that God does something. I hope that when I pray, God works. And those are great things. Those are Christ-centered biblical things. But what about all the other ways? that God might show up in your world. I don't want us to miss it. I don't want to miss it. And so that's why I even bring it up. When you look at what happens throughout the Christmas story, there's all kinds of insanity of like, I wouldn't have expected that. I wouldn't have expected this to happen, that to happen. But when God does things that are so unbelievably unexpected, it's easy for us to overlook that that's God at all. And so my prayer this season is that instead of missing what God wants to do because we have our way, that we open our hearts to you, Lord, whatever you want to do here, however you want to work, in whatever ways you want to reveal yourself to me, a facet of your character, a sense of your presence, a joy when I shouldn't have joy. When... when a few weeks back before Thanksgiving, I gave some homework and, um, which by the way, if you sent those in, I've been reading every one of them. It's just taken me some time because I'm really trying to process through them. So I'm a bit behind. I apologize for that. But I, I gave some homework before Thanksgiving. If you remember, I said, hey, write three things a day for 10 days leading up to Thanksgiving, a couple Sundays before that. Um, and I got a bunch back and I love that because here's what I noticed. First of all, there were a bunch of answers that you would go, yeah, I would expect that, right? I'm thankful for scripture. I'm thankful for my salvation. I'm thankful for God's presence. I'm thankful for health. And there's some great things. And then I love some of the unique ones. And this one isn't so unique, but there was a bunch of them that said thankful for pets, okay? In particular, thankful for my dogs. Or there was like thankful for my cats. Anyway, so, um, but, <laughs> aside the point. Um, but there were all kinds of, of, of cool answers. I, I just put a few of them down because I thought it was kind of cool. Somebody did say, um, coffee watching the sunrise. And I was like, ooh, that's a good one. I'm just not up that early. So anyway, um, I thought that was a good one. Another one, um, somebody mentioned, uh, I love, uh, or I'm thankful for filet mignon. <laughs> okay, great. Somebody, I'm thankful my fingers work. Just simple, right? But thankful. And I honestly, I still have a bunch to read and I can't wait to read, but my thought in reading those was this. Those are ways that when you step back and look for ways to be thankful, you can identify where God's working. And that's what really hit me. 
even in putting this message together, I was thinking the, thank, the thankful notes that we talked about are a reflection of noticing God where we wouldn't necessarily notice him. And so even that as a habit sharpens us to God working in ways we might not ever expect. I was thinking the idea of looking for God in, in, in the everyday of the Christmas season. And, and I was thinking how up here we got, I mean, the cutest kiddos and kids that are, you know, some of them are doing the back and forth and some of them are spinning and, you know, some of them, they're not singing at all. Some of them are singing, but it's a different song entirely. Um, and you got, you got the older kids and younger, I love the star up here and somebody, there's a, there's a ladder. Literally, we had a volunteer back here just like, just watching the whole time, like don't fall, you know. But I was thinking like for me and my wife, she did this to me um, earlier during the first gathering, you know, Hudson was up here and he's our youngest and he's, he's a fifth grader this year. She leans over to me in tears and says, this is like our last one. You don't do that to me right before I get up and speak. <laughs> what, are you, what are you thinking? Say that to me later or something. <clears throat> it's like the, the kid who says, I want to date your daughter right before I get up and speak on a Sunday a few years ago. <laughs> Total side note. That was just for me. But it happened. If you're a guy in here and you like my daughters, don't ever do that to me on a Sunday. Actually, don't do that to me at all. Just stay away. So, freebie. That was not in my notes. Um, no, I, anyway, the whole thing for me was like taking in that moment and enjoying the presence of God as kids gather and sing because there's something beautiful about the innocence of what just happened up here. Man, God, only you. You're so rad. The joy of watching the faces of people that you buy a gift for open that gift. The, the simple smell of baked stuff in someone's house, there's chocolate chip cookies or whatever's you know, going on. Time alone reflecting, which can I challenge you this season, as busy as it gets, find time alone to reflect. Because if not, what happens is you mow through the season and you look back and go, I wish it was better. I wish it was different. I wish I enjoyed it more. Simple things. I was thinking about the laughter and joy that we've had in our car as we've driven around to look at Christmas lights. And listening to my kids back and forth. And sometimes they're cantankerous and annoyed with each other. And other times they're laughing about something. There's a song going on. The overwhelming sense of grace as you find different ways to gather this season. And taking it in rather than just going through the time. How many of you have seen the movie, It's a Wonderful Life? Yeah, a lot of us, maybe all of us, probably not all of us. How many of you have seen it more than 10 times? Just confession, okay, 15 times? I'll stop there anyway. Um, I've seen it a whole bunch. The main character is a guy named George Bailey. And George Bailey is this, you know, we watch him at the beginning grow up in a few years, kind of fast forward. But his whole idea, he's, he, he wants to get out of Bedford Falls, Right? And he, he wants to go out and, and do big things and accomplish stuff. And he's got this big dream and he goes to a, a dance and there's a gal named Mary and both of their moms are trying to set him up and all this stuff. And at one point after the dance, they go and fall in the pool or, you know, gym floor opens up and they're walking home and they see this old house and they throw rocks at it and they break windows and they decide that they broke windows and they should make wishes, right? And Mary turns to George and says, what was your wish? 
And I love his response. He says, well, not just one wish, a whole hatful, Mary. I know what I'm gonna do tomorrow and the next day and the next year and the next year and the year after that. He says, I'm shaking the dust of this crummy old town off my feet. I'm gonna see the world. It says Greek, Rome, the Parthenon, the Colosseum, he goes on. But, but what's the whole idea of the movie? He's excited to get out of Bedford Falls and go experience all this stuff. And he looks forward to what's gonna be. And all he's doing is pining to get there. He never ends up leaving as the story goes. And if you haven't seen the movie, spoiler alert. So if you need to leave, run now. It's been around long enough. You should have seen it. So I blame you. But, but what happens? Well, the responsibilities of life and he doesn't leave, but then things go badly and money ends up missing. And there's this big scandal where the weight of the world is on his shoulders, he feels like. And he hasn't gotten to leave. But he's at the bridge and he's so stressed out and overwhelmed that he wishes he just wasn't even around anymore. And of course, then this sweet little angel shows up named Clarence, who's, I don't know, hundreds of years old. Again, no, not the theology of this movie, but anyway. Um, but what's the idea? He just whispers, I just wish I was never born. And the angel's like, there you go. And so he gets a glimpse, right? And he gets a glimpse that he wasn't ever born. And he goes over to the, the local tavern and it's this rough place and nobody recognizes him, even though before they would have. And as the story continues on, he ends up running into the woman that was his wife in his life when he existed. And she's a librarian and she's alone. He's like, don't you know me, Mary? You know, I really want to do a Jimmy Stewart, but I won't. Um, <laughs> and she freaks out because like some kook saying, you're my wife. Or, you know, um, and the story keeps going that he doesn't exist. And what's the point at the end of the whole glimpse that he has that he doesn't exist. He finally is back at the bridge and I love you. Zuzu's pedals and he's back, but what's the whole deal? What's the lesson? The lesson is he realizes not only how much of a blessing he's been, but how blessed he is, right? Because at the point that he exists again in the movie, his circumstances haven't changed. At that moment in the movie, the money's still missing and the weight of the world is still there, but what's happened? He's found a deep appreciation for all the different ways he's blessed. It's a great reminder for all of us. Ways that God is working that you would never expect, ways that God has blessed you that you've never even considered because you have God in a certain box. But to open our hearts to ways that God is working, similar to when you look at the Christmas story and go, I would never expect a Messiah to be born in a feed trough in a cave with animals. I would never expect an angel to visit Mary and go, gonna be a virgin birth. And she's like, okay. I would never expect the heavens to open and angels sing to shepherds of all people. And they run off and see the baby in a manger. All kinds of elements to the story. And again, I don't have any of the time today to get into all why it's a big deal and how it fulfills the things that God had said in the Old Testament. It's huge. But all these things that we would never expect is the beauty of our God. And we ought to be grateful that God works in ways we wouldn't expect. But I also want to challenge us also to be open to how God wants to work in our lives over the next 13 days instead of missing it. We have our plans. We have our schedules. We have the things we've purchased for people. We have the stuff we're going to bake for others. We have our agenda and our responsibilities 
But aside from all of those things, what about God doing things you would never expect? And they're not always fun and easy, not always ways that we might comprehend in the moment. But I really do believe if you and I open ourselves to God working in ways that we wouldn't expect, that we can have a deeper appreciation for who he is in our lives. Because I'm telling you, even when we don't see it, he's working. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. And as some of us can look back on our lives, we can see, wow, that was God, even though I didn't know it. Wow, that was God, even though I didn't understand it. Wow, that was God, even though it seemed like the opposite of what I thought God was. And those are good things. And so I wanna challenge us this season to open our hearts to God working in unexpected ways because I'm positive that he will. But I think it could be pretty profound for each of us if we simply opened ourselves to that work. Father, today, as we consider the joy of this season and sometimes the stress and busyness and all that goes on, I pray that we would be open to you working in ways we might never expect. I pray that through your spirit, God, we could have a different set of lenses that allows us to see, God, what you're doing. And instead of flying off the handle because things don't go the way we want, instead, instead, of, instead of mowing right over moments that could be profound because we're busy, God, I pray for you to arrest our hearts in a good way. Arrest our souls in a way that opens us to you at work in ways in the past we never would have considered. And God, I pray that we would realize how blessed we are when we do that. That there's something that, that be, begins to be transformed inside of us because we're willing to open ourselves, yes, to reading scripture and expecting you to work there. Spending time in prayer and looking forward to what you're gonna do as we draw near in prayer to you. Gathering in moments like this and in worship or watching kids or whatever, and, and there you are, God, you're so good. But Lord, maybe it's the Monday afternoon random moment at work. Maybe it's the Thursday evening and I ended up here in my car and, and wow, that happened. Maybe it's at that gathering coming up or it's at the coffee with a friend moment. I don't know what it might be, but Jesus, I pray that you would open our eyes to your work in ways that maybe we haven't seen before this Christmas season, because over and over and over, not just in the Christmas story, but throughout the context of our lives, and as we continue to grow spiritually, I believe you've shown up in ways we've never seen. And I pray that you would reveal that to us, God, that deepens our faith, but also gives us a greater sense of gratitude for your power, for your work, for your ways being higher than ours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.